Listener Production. Brooke Boney and Linda Mariano's Dream Club. Hey, it's Brooke and Linda here and welcome to the Dream Club podcast. Brooke, are you okay? Are you choking Just on your tea? sipping on some hot tea. It's delicious, <laughs> sorry. Well, welcome. Each week we throw the paints of culture at our podcast canvas and tell you all about the best stories within it. And this week we're going to talk to you about a questionable new TV show that we're not so sure about. It's called The Activist. We're also going to talk to you about one of the most charismatic front people of any band anywhere in the world, Amy Taylor from Amel and the Sniffers. And Lindy, we're going to talk about productivity because for some of us it's a dirty word and now there's a new (laughs) term called productivity dysmorphia. Um, We're going to dig right into it. So it's going to be a good episode. Hey, can we also just give a shout out to you legends going out for your walks, listening to the Dream Club podcast. I'm talking to you, Alex Lefeva, if that's how you say it. I don't know. I don't speak French. What a beautiful French name you have. (laughs) So Um, chic. Who says another stunning Mianjin day, the Dream Club podcast for company. Hey, well, guess what? We love it. Take us for a walk wherever you go. Hit us up on Instagram. Hello to Kay as well, who sent us the most cute DM, a selfie of you driving, getting in your car, saying, this is me every Wednesday morning. Thank you for all the tears and happiness, woofsters. And uh, Kay, you've also been madly adding songs to your Spotify, lots of movies on her watch list and books too that we've been talking up. And you say, since this morning, I've listened to Stay by the Kid Leroy 12 times. Oh, my goodness. That's even more than me. I know. It's huge. Hey, do you know I really love when people call us Woofies? Because that's our nickname for each other. I know. And so when other people say it, it makes makes my heart grow. It's so lovely. Me too. Uh, All right. Let's get into it. Dream Club. All right, Lindy, you know that we love reality TV. We love TV in general. Any new mm. show that you've got, throw it at the us. The arts, we the call ar- it. We, we call it the arts. Mm. We're very, mm. very cultured, as you would well know by now. <laughs> um, but this one, I don't know how far up or down our to-watch list it's going to be. It's called The Activist. You've probably seen some headlines around it. It's coming out next month, and it's a reality show sort of like The Voice or Idol, yep. but instead of singing beautiful songs, people get up there and they try to sell their charity or their cause as a product. Yep. And then three judges choose whose charity is most worthy. And it's based on some pretty, pretty crook metrics, if you <laughs> ask me. It's all around like social media engagement, mm-hmm. the way that people are talking about it online, how they package it up and sell it. So, you know, it could be like someone talking about famine in Darfur, someone talking about the crisis in Syria and someone talking about, you know, Indigenous literacy. And then and the battling judge, it out in a supposed <laughs> hierarchy of social justice causes yeah. in order to win a prize where you get to go to the G20 summit in Italy and potentially get funding, potentially get funding um, and support for your cause. So it is based on those competitive reality shows like The Apprentice and The Voice. And you're battling in front of, can we say, celebrity judges. So when you're doing this performative activism, potentially, you're doing it in front of 
the judges who are Priyanka Chopra Jones, a very well-known Indian star married to one of the Jonas brothers um, who has had some questionable moments in her political alignment, if you've ever looked into that. Usher is the other celebrity judge. There's a professional dancer that's one of the judges as well, Brooke. So, look, it's it, it checks out. It seems really it's interesting. It's right up there, isn't it? It's right up there. And it is, as you said, it is cooked. Mm. It's so disturbing for so many reasons. It's so black mirror dystopic triggering, don't you think? It's this full commodity Yeah, I mean, I think it just sort of sums up exactly the way that, well, it's all of the worst parts of activism, which is that it's performative, Mm. which is that it's marketed to people to try to get them to care about others' humanity. And also that there are so many causes that they just sort of like drop in and out, you know? Yeah, this week... The three activist causes. This week coming up on The Activist, we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. It, is it that important? Well, it Do actually, they matter? Do they? Let's battle it against feminism. Yeah. Oh, God. So when's it, so it's coming out next month mm-hmm. in the States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Are you going to give it a watch? I reckon I'll give that one a miss. I actually, I would be surprised if they put it to air, to be honest. Yeah. Do you think it'll get pulled? I will think it, so. Will it get the Byron so. Bay's treatment? Yeah. There have been some pretty tone-deaf activist moments, uh, like, in the media. Like, for some reason that just reminded me of, you know, the Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad where she gives the can of Pepsi to a police officer. Mm. Like, once again, just a wonderful performative activism moment. No, she actually solved racism that day. There's no more racism anymore. Oh, that's right. She did did. with that one can of Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. There were, like, lots of riots and I think the world was pretty awful before then. Like, I don't know if you remember, but Mm. it was, like, before and after the Pepsi thing. Yeah. And I just love that, you know, it takes a a cause that that might be about grassroots, about community, about Mm. solidarity, about, you know, longevity and really putting in the hard yards and, you know, maybe just reduces it to if you can come up with a cool TikTok dance. Mm. In front of Usher. They're like the modern day day Rosa Parks, you know. I love it. It's it's they're they're truly changing the world with this stuff. We're going to share some of our favorite tweets about the activist as well. Yeah, go we simply must because it's it's real trending. It's a hot topic. Yeah. Hey Brooke, you know when you think about women in punk, there's like a handful of women that I kind of look up to, and in general, when you think about women in the music industry, it's like. Women that are the girlfriends, women that are the muses to the front man, women that are the groupies. Oh, my God. Or, you know, the merch girl. Like, Mm. how is that a term? Well, in order to flip that, we're changing the narrative as usual. As years have gone by, there have been these amazing punk icons, and one of those joins us right now. She's out of Melbourne. Her name's Amy Taylor. She's the front woman of a band called Amel and the Sniffers who have just put out their new record, Comfort to Me, and she joins us right now. Amy, congrats on the record first up. Hey, Amy. Uh, Thanks, guys. Hello, everybody. So tell us uh, about the album. What song are you most proud of? What What do you love about it? I'm really proud of pretty much the whole album, but I think I really like um, Don't Fence Me In and I like, uh, I also really like Snakes as well, but it changes all the time which one's my favourite, but yeah. It's interesting to be putting out punk music, especially I think in this time, because punk and especially your band, it's such a visceral experience. You hear it and you need to be hearing it in a community, at a gig, 
thrashing your body around, watching you on stage, screaming the words back to you. Does it mean something different to you having it in this context? Well, I think just naturally, like, because every other album we've done, it's kind of been for live music. So I'd be like, oh, we need to write more songs so that we can play longer than 10 minutes. And then it'd be like, oh, we've played the same 20 minutes forever. We've got to write a new song. Whereas this one, it's like we kind of, we planned to go into it for the same reason, which was to have more live songs. But then spending last year not playing live at all, we got to just focus on it being a recorded album a bit more and like actually having something that's good to listen to when you're sitting around or like walking around or doing whatever. So we wanted to talk to you a little bit about what it's like being a woman in punk as well, because, you know, you're in this community that has like a pretty, I guess, aggressive sometimes reputation. What is it like being a woman in that community? Well, when I first got into punk, I was pretty young, like punk and hardcore and just any kind of heavy music. I would have been about like 14 and I went to an all ages show and um, it was always super like masculine and super aggressive but I was really attracted to the aggression and the um, just the, like the violence about it, honestly. And I never really felt sa- unsafe, sorry. And I never really felt threatened. And I never really realized that I was like different. Like I knew that I was different because I was a female, but I always just felt super like a part of it or whatnot. But I never saw a female on stage until I moved to Melbourne. And I thought like, oh, I could be the merch girl one day. And that's <laughs> how I'd be a part of it. Like I was like, oh, I could sell merch for a band and then I'd be a part of the scene. That's so cool. You know, it's it's funny because literally most of the time the green rooms are all male and um, lots of the audiences is male as well. And I just really encourage like femininity to be something to be proud of within the punk community, like wearing makeup or liking things that are girly or like, you know, I, I feel like there's this big confusion that if you're feminine, then you're weak or it's like you're there, you're performing for the male or something. But it's like, I think to be feminine is to be strong and to like, express that and also be tough is super important. Do you talk about that in the lyrics of this new record? You mentioned just then a song called Don't Fence Me In. Well, yeah, I do a little bit. Just like I don't want any kind of scene to limit me and I don't want any kind of like preconceived idea of me to limit me either because in the end it's like somebody will make that up and then fence me in because of it or put me in a box because of an idea that they've come up with. But it's like I actually just never... I never gave them that information. They just sucked it from me and then put me in a little cage and shut me away. But I just don't subscribe to that and I don't want anybody else to either. And songs like laughing as well where it's like, I'm still a good girl if I'm dressing slutty. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you're a good girl to begin with. <laughs> what is it going to feel like, do you think, when you are up on stage eventually and you see guys screaming back to you once again, you know, lyrics like, I'm still a good girl, even if I do dress a bit slutty. <laughs> I'll be like, you're goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it'll just feel really good. Um, I can't even imagine what it's like, to be honest. Is it a weird experience to have all of this work put into this album and, you know, all of this energy and then to have it released during a pandemic? Like, it, is that a bit anticlimactic? Like, how does that feel? If I'm honest, I'm just clinging on to the Instagram likes. Like I'm just doing the straight up like refresh and feeling good about it. Um, (laughs) That's the name of the next record, refresh and feel good about it. (laughs) I mean, it is what it is, but it's like honestly because you make music to share with people and um, even though we've made the album that we liked and it's not for anyone else, at the same time it's, it's like if you make a yummy meal and you eat it by yourself, it's still a crap meal. So, yeah, it's like I'm just kind of using the online space to feel connected and like feel like people like it and feel proud of it, if I'm honest. 
Yeah, and you challenged yourself a lot with this record too. You said you became this temporary monster that pushed yourself with your lyrics. You had stuff that you wanted to get off your chest and because of the pandemic, you had time to pour your heart and soul into it, which must be a very fun feeling. Yeah, and also just last year I was pretty depressed and like got pretty low and stuff like that and pretty cynical about the world in general, like just like, you know, capitalism and like society and also like bushfires and like everything was felt really crap. So having the album and also just last year was the first time I probably stopped and really like had a hard look at what it was like for a female for me and like different experiences I've had that I've been like really negative. So having the album and something to work on and like keep me focused and and have something to express and, and I also have somewhere I can feel powerful is super important. So was there something that made you sort of come to terms with that? And and when you did, like how did the others in the band react? Um, they're very supportive of everything. Like I think because I've had to like learn a bunch of stuff about myself and like being a female and whatnot, it's like they've just been kind of receiving it with open ears and going like, oh, that's hectic that that's an experience for you. Like songs with Nifey or whatever where I'm kind of talking about what it's like as a female to walk around at night after dark, which is something that's so simple. Like it's really not a big deal, but I actually am scared to do that. And I often will carry like a weapon with me and I don't want to be violent, but I feel like it could be necessary to be alive. And so talking to the boys about that kind of thing, it's like they're super supportive. And I think even the first time they had the lyrics, they all kind of like cried a little bit because they're like, that's so hectic how hard it is for females and like how easy it is for us. And like it just hit them up and that was really special. That and is so, really, that's so important yeah. because like this is a group of people who wouldn't have been exposed to these sorts of ideas or themes through music before yeah. because punk traditionally hasn't been about this sort of stuff. So this yeah. is like really yeah. groundbreaking stuff. And it's pretty cool as well because they said, that, you know, they've shown some of their male friends who are also in bands or who aren't and it, they've all had the same kind of effect. And that's mm. really sick to me because it's like I've never really been I haven't really wrapped my head around feminism or, or much properly and like took the time to think about it. So it's cool because like I find that it's actually effective and, and it, lots of people just actually want to listen and just want to hear about an experience because in the end it is different to theirs. Mm. Thank you for sharing that and for like having the courage to write it down and release it. Amy Taylor, the front person of Amel and the Sniffers, thanks so much for your time today. The record is out now. It's called Comfort to Me. Apart from that, you are going to be performing this album in full. There is a full stream of this. You can check out the band's socials for it, but you're going to be doing it October 5, so That's look right. out for yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much, Amy. Thanks for chatting, guys. Hey, thank you. Brooke Boney and Linda Mariano's Dream Club. Oh, now this is something that is so, it really strikes a chord for us. I don't know how you feel about productivity and being busy all the time and working yourself to the bone. But Lindy and I are definitely guilty of pushing it a little bit too far. And there's an American journalist called Anna Codrea-Rado who's, she sort of coined this new term called productivity dysmorphia. And it's not only the constant need to be uber productive and feel like, you know, you feel like you've wasted the day even if you've achieved a lot. But it's sort of feeling like you've done nothing at the same time. So even though you are doing all of these things, running yourself ragged, writing constantly, having meetings, producing work, you feel like you've done 
nothing. Mm. And it's particularly relevant during lockdown because I think we can see the way that other people are spending their time and makes us feel like maybe we're not doing enough. And so I wanted to unpack this a little bit with you because this is something that we are both definitely guilty of, like working so much that even when you have a few hours spare to do nothing, you're like, oh, well, I'm not using this day properly unless I finish writing this email or I get back to this person or I do this extra bit of work, but then still feeling like you've accomplished nothing. Mm. Where do you think that comes from, Lindy? Well, I think... We've spoken about that kind of, one, it's that nature of comparison stuff where you are comparing to what other people are achieving at certain points in their life and the kind of goalposts that other people might be hitting. But it is, it's being busy. It's finding that for some reason, I wonder what the actual cause of it is where you have this skewed vision where you are unable to acknowledge the successes that you have and instead you kind of fixate on these small perceived flaws within your yeah. productivity, if that makes Because, you know, like dysmorphia, when you think about body dysmorphia, which is, you know, the other version of it is, you know, when you become fixated on these flaws that your body supposedly has, or whether or not they're actually visible to people in the outside world, but you kind of, you can't get over them. And I know that you and I have talked about how hard it is to relax on a Sunday when we should be having a day off or even when, you know, Brooke and I have been talking about doing a podcast together for so many years. And I remember the week that the podcast launched and you did a good thing because you pulled us up on it and you were like, Lindy, we should go out for dinner or actually acknowledge that we did something because otherwise you kind of go on this hamster wheel of going, yes, I did something. And then you know, half a day later, you're on to the next thing and you don't actually sit in the success of it. You just don't let yourself savour it. No, you don't. Do you know every time someone talks about body dysmorphia and it's super serious, but I always think of that dumb movie, Shallow Hell. Do you know? (gasps) Yeah, the one with Jack Black and (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow, yes. Yes, Yes. I always think of that. But you're so right. I think it's maybe that you're like so used to output rather Mm. than focusing on the process or something that – you're just searching for like the next sort of dopamine hit. You know, we're little hamsters on a wheel just yeah. trying to get to the next bit of cheese or whatever the thing is that we're trying to chase rather than being like, oh, I did this great piece of work. Because I'm pretty good at congratulating my friends when they do great work. Yep. I'm like, oh, wow, like that would have taken ages to do. Like congratulations, you've done this incredible thing. But when it comes to your own output, mm. you're like, ah, yeah. And then you just move on. Don't you reckon? Yeah. You know what? That reminded me of in this article by Anna Codria Rado, she mentions the theory of the hedonic treadmill. Have you ever heard that? It's basically where you can't sit and acknowledge your kind of happiness levels because it goes up really quickly, but then you go back down to your base level of being unsatisfied even quicker than you acknowledge that happiness. So your like state oh of joy doesn't last for as long as it should. And that's why you have to keep getting to the next accomplishment. You have to keep getting to the next success. We're addicts for achievement. We can't get enough. That is not a good thing. We need to go to AA. That is not a good thing. Achievement addiction. How are we going to get How are we going to get it? Like, how are we going to work on this? We need to come up with some. It is a certain thing. And um, 
dreamers, we want you to be involved in this too. We need to be able to come up with a way where we like celebrate the milestones or celebrate those sorts of achievements. So if you've got any plans or like mm. anything that you want to achieve, let us know and we'll celebrate it with you. We'll yeah. give you a goddamn pat on the back. Yeah. Do you know what it is? It's the equivalent of a bum tap if you're a footballer. You know when they do something good and they give each yeah, other yeah, a little yeah, bum yeah. tap? In a friendly way, like <laughs> consensual, lovely, friendly. Well, I guess way, it's very sweet. It's yeah, like it sweet. Is. Little cuddly, it's like a little show of like, good on you. Do you know what? Let's give each other a little bum tap, a little virtual bum tap. Dream club. When you go for a walk, take photos of flowers that you see. That's so sweet. <laughs> also. Almost that time of the year where you can swim. Get that swimsuit on and remember how beautiful your body is out in the world. God, that's so true. Your body is so beautiful. Let this be the year we all wear swimmers. Because the world's gonna end. Look, Woofie, it's our favourite time of the week where we get to do our DM, check in about the things that are kind of inspiring us and things that we're maybe aspiring to. And you know that I love food. What you may or may not know is that I am not naturally funky in the kitchen. What? I, what? That blows my mind. For? I can't believe that because you seem like you would be really good at cooking. I think I just assumed that you were a naturally gifted cook. You'd hope so because my family is such a big cooking family. Yes, Mum, dad, why. nonna, always talking about food. I care about food so much. Like it's pretty much the only thing that I care about. I've got friends that are really like exceptional home cooks and I just suck. I've got no natural ability. Anyway, I have been working on a couple of recipes what during lockdown. There's one that I've done now three times and this is part of, this is my basic dream club update is that last night I did it for the third time and this might sound like a really tiny stupid thing to you listening but for me it was such an accomplishment in that I was able to make this sambal from scratch. It's this otolenghi oh sambal gosh. that you make with chilli and coriander and heaps of like um, turmeric and it has like Sichuan in it. Yeah, it's I so love it's the so, burn that you get from it's Sichuan. It's so burny so and delicious. And <gasps> the first two times I made it, I was like this student studying the recipe, and it took me, you know, twice as long to do it. And then I did it last night. I didn't even this. I sound so silly doing, but I didn't even open up the recipe. I did it from scratch. I substituted a couple oh! of ingredients. And I felt so proud. And I was like, this is what I'm cheating. In lockdown, I am going to put in the effort to, like, learn these new skills. Oh, my goodness. And I was so satisfied. I was, like, sitting. I was watching Ted Lasso. I was eating my little sambal. I've got leftover for lunch. Like, it was a little thing, but it really made me happy, um, you know. Okay, just as a little side note. Yeah. How beautiful is Ted Lasso? 
Do you love it? You recommended it. I, I told was you, pushing I had not. You. you were pushing. You were like, Linda, this is the vibe you need in lockdown. And I just praise you for it. Love you. Thanks. Oh, my God. I'm so proud of you for making this sample. Thank you. I didn't even look. I was like, do you need to look at the website? And I went, no. No, you got this, I Linda. Got this. You just had to back yourself. So wait, did you cook for yourself? I cooked for myself. Okay, so this is like a triple threat pat on the back because it's that you cooked dinner for yourself. I know. You didn't have to use a recipe. Yeah. And you watched. I know. Lasso. I know. Okay, so, here's a little hot tip for you. Go. If you are on Twitter, go and follow the Ted Lasso account because it's like it's him tweeting. One? Yes. Oh. And um, the, he wrote something the other day that I retweeted that was like. Oh, did you know that every minute you're alive is a gift? That's why it's called the present. <laughs> He's so, so dream. beautiful. So, so beautiful. What a dream. Okay, so my dream club update this week is all about like perspective and like keeping in a good mind frame and stuff because I feel like, like I'm in Sydney and I feel like my perspective has been completely shifted by the fact that, you know, think of it what you will, but soon we're going to be able to have a bit, little bit more freedom. And my mood is like lifted tenfold, mm. just knowing that there's like an end date. And so I think it's that sort of thing where like you just need to focus on the day to day and getting through it. And I know that that gets so much easier when you know that there's an end date coming. Yeah. But there's nothing tangible in that. Like I don't know that that date is ever going to arrive or exactly what freedoms we're going to have. But just having that has really shifted my perspective. So I think if you are... One of the people who's, you know, not doing so well in lockdown. Maybe think of like the wonderful things that you're going to be able to do once we get out. Not in a way that's like, oh, I'm yearning or longing for this and I can't see my boyfriend or my family's on the other side of the border. Don't think about that. Think about being able to go and have holiday yeah. in Fiji. Yeah. Because they're 80% back in Fiji, believe Are it or not. They? Yeah. Go. Let's all go to Fiji. Let's go on a group holiday, all of us. Oh, okay, see you there. Get your passport. <laughs> Dig out that passport. Oh I haven't God. looked at it in years, but oh. I'm going to go get it. So probably expired by now. It's prob- mine's probably expired too. Oh, my gosh. Add that to the list of things to do after calling Medicare. Yeah, Did I you get our vaccine passport? Well, anyway, that's lovely, having that hope. Yeah. Having that kind of tangible thing. Something nice. to, like, just sort of imagine. Re- imagine. Yeah. Something to think about that's, like, positive. And not negative. I know that seems really like simple, but just like shifting that perspective a little bit really has changed my days. Oh, a beautiful note to end oh. on this episode. We're going to be back next Wednesday, of course. Thank you so much for listening. But until we catch you next time, join our Dream Club and follow us at the Dream Club podcast on Instagram. Hit that subscribe button so you never, ever, ever miss an episode and please leave us a cheeky review Mm, cheeky (laughs) cheeky bum tap Uh, tag us in a pic too you know we love it show us where you're listening from and tell a little friend tell 10 alright oh hello there oh my god maybe I have tinnitus do you want to get a spin coffee cup yes Listener.